Let us turn for our scripture reading this evening. There are two passages of reading in God's holy word in the Old Testament. The first in the book of Job and the chapter 25. The book of Job and the 25th chapter. This is the word of the Lord. Come, let us hear God's holy word. His infallible, inerrant, sacred word. May the Lord bring his word in power, not in word only this evening, but may by his spirit we learn of his word. This is the word of God. Then answered Bildad the Shuhite and said, Dominion and fear are with him. He maketh peace in his high places. Is there any number of his armies, and upon whom doth not his light arise? How then can man be justified with God, or how can he be clean that is born of a woman? Behold even to the moon, and it shineth not. Yea, the stars are not pure in his sight. How much less man that is a worm and the son of man, which is a worm. Amen. We now turn to the prophecy of Isaiah in the chapter 53. The 53rd chapter of the prophecy of Isaiah. These words given by God the Holy Spirit to the prophet Isaiah some 700 years before the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 1 of Isaiah 53. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form or comeliness when we shall see him. There is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. So he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death 
because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Amen. This is the word of the Lord, and may the Lord be pleased to bless that public reading of his most precious, infallible, inerrant, and sacred word to us here this evening. Let us come before the Lord together in prayer. Let us draw near by faith and seek his blessing. Well, dear congregation, I would ask you to please prayerfully turn your attention there to the book of Job and the 25th chapter. And taking for my text this evening these words spoken by Bildad, of course all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And while Bildad wrongly assessed Job, he nonetheless spoke truth. Bildad did not know the heart of Job, but he certainly knew some truths about God. And these things are searching. As we look at them tonight, we come before God's holy word, and God's word searches our hearts. It's the words in the verse 4 to the verse 6 that I take as my text, and then I want us to go to the prophet Isaiah in the 53rd chapter, and then look at the verse 11. So the text this evening, how then can man be justified with God? Or how can he be clean that is born of a woman? Behold, even to the moon, and it shineth not, yea, the stars are not pure in his sight. How much less man that is a worm, and the son of man which is a worm. So the age-old question you notice there, how then can man be justified before God? This is a religion, a friend, that saves. Christianity is about the truth. When we speak of religion, we speak of that which is truth, not mere formal words, but it is truth. It is a religion that saves. It's not so much religion, but it is God that saves. He gives us truth. And the question is asked here, how can man be justified with God, man that is clean? How can anything possibly come out of man who is unclean? How can anything clean come out of a man? How can man cleanse himself? How can man be justified? How can man be right in the sight of God? When we think of that word justified, when we speak of somebody who justifies himself or herself 
they speak truth concerning themselves that will vindicate themselves? How can man be vindicated? How can he be set as right and clean and orderly, as pure, as an impure man before an infinitely holy God? We're reminded here that even the moon, it shineth not. Yea, the stars are not pure in his sight. The stars don't sin. The moon doesn't sin, but as we look at the world, it is a fallen cosmos. When we look out into the galaxies, it is not the world and the universe that God made. When Adam sinned, not only did his sin affect this world, but all the universe. That's why there will be at the regeneration, as we are told in the Gospel of Matthew, the whole universe will be regenerated. The moon, the stars, there are planets colliding. There is, we would say, order in the planets. There is order in the cosmos, but it is not what God made it to be. The whole of creation. When we speak of creation, we're not just speaking about this world that fell into sin and has been subject to vanity because of Adam's sin, but we are speaking about all created order is subject to the fall. Even the moon. When you look at the moon, it still shows something of the glory and the power and the majesty of God. When you look at the planets and the stars, even they are not pure because they are all subject because of what Adam did that day he sent. The whole of the cosmos. It has to be rejuvenated. It has to be regenerated. This is why Peter says, the elements that be, these things will pass with a fervent heat and God will make a new universe. And so how can even man who plunged the whole of creation into its present state, how can anything come out of a man that is clean? He is unclean. How can anything clean come out of an unclean man? A man with a sinful heart. And that is the cause of all of this trouble and death. We speak of entropy. We speak of the way in which the world is in. How death has come. It came because of the fall. And so the question is put to Job by Bildad. One of his three friends, but miserable comforters, these men... Indeed, sought to comfort Job. Remember Job? We're told this man of Oz, there was none like Job, a righteous man. It does not mean that he was without sin, but he was a godly man. And Satan came. In fact, it was the Lord that came to Satan and said, Hast thou considered my servant Job? There is none like him in all the earth. Ah, yes, but Satan said, Ah, oh, yes, but if you touch Job, he will deny you, and he will forsake you. 
Joe Bunny serves you because you've hedged him in, because you've looked after him, because you've provided for him. And the issue is this, that Job was a justified man. Job, although he was a righteous man, Job had a justification before God. Now what does that mean, a right standing before God? How can sinful man have a right standing before God? That is my question, and that is the the age-old question of the Bible. How can a sinful man, a sinful woman like you and like me, have a right standing before God. How is it possible? Job, you've only got to study the book of Job to see that he was a sinner. Job said many, many righteous things, but Job got many things wrong. And the Lord had to teach him a number of lessons. Job was a sinner. Just like David. Remember what David said, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. David was shapen iniquity, so was Job. Job came from Adam. As you and I have, God has made by one blood many nations, and sin has spread to all men. But the problem is, you see, is just that there is no possible way that salvation can come out of man because man is unclean. Isaiah says to us in Isaiah 64, verse 6, by the Spirit, he says, but we all are as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. We all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Away from what? From God. We have strayed from our Maker, and there is none that calleth upon thy name, and that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee, speaking, as it were, to God. For thou hast hid thy face from us, and hast consumed us because of our iniquities. You see, this is the problem. How can man be right with God if he is a sinner, he's born a sinner, and he has a bad record and a bad heart, How can he be right with God? How is it possible that sinners can be justified before God? And I want us to deal with this here this evening as we turn to Isaiah 53. And you'll notice Isaiah 53, I must tell those of you who do not know, this perhaps is one of the most pivotal of all chapters in the Scriptures. For it speaks of the very sufferings of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here we have in the prophecy of Isaiah the foretelling of the death, the substitutionary death of the Lord Jesus Christ who would lay down his life for his sheep. Remember he said, I am the good shepherd And the good shepherd layeth down his life for the sheep. Notice verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. Each one has turned to his own way. You notice that? And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That is all sheep who will hear the word of Christ. 
Remember what the Lord Jesus said. He said, I lay down my life for the sheep. And you come then to the verse 11. The question we are asking here tonight is, how can man be justified before God? Man who is a sinner. who is a debtor to God. Notice verse 11. Speaking of the suffering of the Lord Jesus, when he is oppressed, when he was wounded, when his hands were pierced and nailed to the cross, we note there that he was cut off from the land of the living. And we note in the verse 10, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Christ will cause the Lord's work and will to prosper. Everything was resting upon the Savior, there upon the cross. Why? Notice, he shall see the travail, or the work, or the labor, or the suffering of his soul, and shall be satisfied by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. You see that there? That's the answer to the question. That's the answer to this question here. How in the world can a man be justified before God? The answer, simply put, is the Lord Jesus Christ. He justifies sinners. A man cannot justify himself. But it is the Lord, it is God Almighty that justifies sinners, he, by his knowledge, by a knowledge, by an understanding, by an apprehension of God through his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, shall my righteous servant justify many. Here he is not speaking of Isaiah, but he is speaking of the servant of the Lord. At least on four occasions, are we given what we call servant songs, those songs which speak of the Lord Jesus Christ from Isaiah 39 right through to Isaiah 55. The servant of the Lord, the suffering servant. He who was bruised for his people by his knowledge. Notice there, shall my righteous servant justify many. Now, you see, the question was posed by this man, Bildad, who came to Job and said, Job, how can a man possibly be justified, be right with God? And that's a good question. Now, Job's three friends thought that Job was harboring some sin. And this is the reason why he was suffering so much. But that is not the case. Job was suffering because he was in a fallen world. And of course, not for any particular sin, but God was being good and gracious to Job and showing him that God is righteous. God would be just to have sent Job to hell. Job and his friends would have been right to have been sent to eternal damnation. We, we have nothing to complain about, do we? Job had nothing to complain about. God gave him ten children, 
He gave him thousands of camels. He gave him thousands of oxen. God owed Job nothing. Job was the man he was because God made him that man. God made him to be a righteous man. God put his spirit in Job's heart. And the spirit of God taught Job that he was unclean. Job didn't argue with these things. Job understood. Job said, I am but a worm. You notice even here in verse 6, the words that are given concerning man. Here in Job chapter 25 and the verse 6. Notice there concerning man. How then can man be justified with God? Or how can he be clean that is born of a woman? Behold, even the moon, and it shineth not. Yea, the stars are not pure in his sight. How much less man that is a worm. Literally, the word there in the Hebrew means a maggot, actually. Less than a worm. Feeding on vile things. And... and Frankly, that's quite us, isn't it? We feed on sin. And you see, this is how we could never be cleansed, how we could never be justified, because not only do we feed on sin, but we are sin altogether. And there is nothing clean that can come out of us. And this is the age-old question, how can guilty, sinful man be justified in God's presence? But we read there in Isaiah 53, By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. It is by Jesus Christ. Friend, he came into this world and he lived like no other man. Think of it. The very one who created the world and throughout his life gave glory to God and honor to the Father. All of his life, there was not a moment When Jesus Christ did not glorify God, there was not a moment of his life that he did not live to the honor and to the praise of his Father. Though he is God the Son who made all things, and yet he submitted himself, he came under that which the Father had sent him to do to give his life as a ransom for many. (laughs) Think of it, what... What sinners owe to Christ? What this world owes to Christ, who made all things, and yet subjected himself to become a creature. The very creator became a creature. And then as we read here in Isaiah 53, he bears the sins of his creatures who believe in him, of his sheep who realize and they recognize I have strayed as a lost sheep in this world. I have strutted up and down in this world as if God owes me something. As if I'm here by my own making. My friend, you didn't make yourself. God made your parents. God made you. And God made me. And you owe God everything. Everything that you have enjoyed in life has been a gift from God. And you think of the times that you have sat under God's word. And perhaps imagine that you are a good person. 
You look at these words, how then man, how can he be justified with God? How can he be clean that is born of a woman? You know, often the proof of our sinfulness is our own parents. And I don't mean to despise parents. I have children myself. And I'm sure their children may say one day of me and of themselves, the proof of our sinnership is in our children. We do not produce angels. We do not produce sinless people. But what comes from us are sinners. We cannot produce sinless children. Neither do we come from sinless parents. How can he be clean that is born of a woman? How can man be justified with God? It's impossible. Absolutely impossible. You could never pay for all your sins, my friend. Never. You're an infinite debtor to God. Every moment of your life is given to you as a gift. The warm summer air, the taste of bread, the taste of a warm ripe peach on a summer's day, all the things that you enjoy, what it is to love somebody is a gift from God. Friends are a gift from God. Friendships, health, strength, all of that can be taken away. It was taken away from Job. Even his health, even his children. Job owed God everything. And his friends owed God everything. And what have we done to repay God? We've lived as if he hasn't existed, as if there is no judgment, as if he is indifferent to sin that he will somehow be accommodating to us on the day of judgment. My friend, if God spared not his only begotten son, do you think he'll spare you his son who did no sin? Will he spare sinners who despise the riches of his grace? I think not. Sinners who say, I will justify myself before God. I will have words to say. I think God will look upon me favorably in the judgment day. How can man be justified with God? You know, all the religions, that's what they're trying to do. The Buddhist, the Hindu, he is trying to justify himself by serving a plethora of gods of his own imagination. He is trying to justify himself by good works. The Catholic is trying to do it by penances. How can a man be justified with God? It's impossible. You are conceived in sin. You are shapen in iniquity. And my friend, it is only by a knowledge of God's righteous servant that sinners are justified. How? How? I want you to look very carefully with me at the text there in Isaiah 53. 
And here we have a picture of the Savior's suffering. As we have read, as God is not sparing his only begotten Son, how he makes his soul an offering for sin, and the Son agreed with the Father in all eternity that this is what he would do on behalf of his people. He agreed with the Father, yes, I shall bear their sins. Yes, I shall bear their iniquities. And the time comes. And the Lord Jesus Christ sets his face as flint toward Jerusalem, determined to suffer and to die. And the disciples are afraid, they're amazed. For as we read, he sets his face as flint. And here he suffers. My righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Now let me just say this, all the religions of this world do not have atonement for sin. This is what makes the grand difference. With God, if there is to be justification, my righteous servant shall justify many. There must be justice. There must be justice against sin. He must bear the iniquities of the people that he is going to justify. And that's what the text says here. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for because he shall bear their iniquities. In other words, the ones whom he bears their iniquities, he will give a knowledge of himself to them, to them, that he bore their sins. You see, Paul says in Romans 5 that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. What God does is he makes you to feel that you are, as we read in Job here, as a worm. You look at your life, my friend, as I look at my life. We say that we are vile worms. Yes. But when you look at the cross there, and you know that passage, it's messianic, the psalm. And 22, speaking there of the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ, he has become as a worm. And we read here, do we not, of Isaiah here, or rather the Son of Man, which is as a worm. Remember, the Son of God had to become the Son of Man. And he had to become a worm. We know from the passage there in the Psalms that he is less than a man. He has even become a worm, despised of men, rejected, suffering as a worm in the place of sinners. We speak of the scarlet thread of redemption and the gospel. And for them to make that scarlet die, they would have to crush the worm. And so it was, dear friends. The very Creator becomes despised of men and becomes a worm in their sight. But never more could I say was the Son loved when He was laying down His life for His sheep. My Father loved me because I lay down my life for the sheep. 
And here he is suffering on the cross in that psalm, despised and rejected of men, acquainted with grief, suffering for his people. And in the Psalm 22, we read there, as the Savior is suffering, we read, they gaped upon me with their mouths, as a ravening and roaring lion, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax and is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. And thou hast brought me into the dust of death, for dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell of all my bones. They look and stare upon me. They part my garments among me, among them, and they cast lots upon my vesture. Be, but be not thou far from me, O my Lord, O my strength. Make haste to help me. Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorns. I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. Psalm 24, ye that fear the Lord, praise him, all ye seed of Jacob, glorify him. Well, the Lord, verse 6 there of Psalm 22, says, but I am a worm, a no man, a reproach of men, and despised of the people. And again, you can read in the Psalm 21, and all these Psalms around this area, Speaking of the suffering Lord Jesus, the shepherd king who would lay down his life for the sheep. And this is the only way, my dear friend, that sinners can be justified before a holy God. You see, the problem with man is this. He has such a high view of himself. He does not have a perception of the holiness of God. He does not have an apprehension. Friend, do you have an apprehension? to the holiness of God and who He is. Job was a sinner. Though a a godly man in many ways, and yet he deserved nothing. How do I know Job was trusting in the Lord? He said, I know that my Redeemer liveth. That's how I know. Job 19, we We read what Job says, I know that my Redeemer liveth. He believed that he had a Redeemer. Yes, the Savior, the one who was to come into this world and to suffer and to die for Job's sins. How can man be clean? Only through the Redeemer, which Isaiah points us to here. If you turn there, Job 19, 23, he says, Oh, that my words were now written. Oh, that they were printed in a book. Well, Job got his wish, didn't he? That they were graven with an iron pen and led the rock forever. For I know that my Redeemer liveth. That's a wonderful thing. The Savior lived then. And he lives now. He lives because he had no sin. 
The wages of sin is what? Death. But Christ had no sin of his own. This is how he is mighty to save. Because he was able to bear the sins of many. My righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. And you see, this is the comfort that believers have. What are you trusting in, friend? Your own righteousness. Well, Isaiah says our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Our iniquities carry us away. Your sins, my friend, will carry you away to a lost eternity apart from Christ. But by a knowledge of Jesus Christ, he says he will justify many. How do you... What is this knowledge? It is an apprehension of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we apprehend Christ when we understand who He is. We lay hold upon Him by faith. And we will not let Him go. You know, Job said, if there were a daysman that could lay his hand upon me and God, oh, if there were but just a daysman, one who could lay his hand upon me and God. If you turn to Job 9, verse 30, notice what he says, and I want you to put yourself, my friend there, in Job's shoes. As you survey your life, and as you look at each day and page of your life, if you could have a page... In a book of every day of your life, what would you write over every page? You would have to write sin. Sinner. I've sinned. And the sins are too numerous for that book. Job, a godly man, said, Job 9.30, If I wash myself with snow water. You ever seen snow water? How pure it looks? Make my hands never so clean, yet thou shalt plunge me in the ditch, and mine own clothes shall abhor me. Think on that. My own clothes will hate me. For he that is God is not a man, as I am, that I should answer him. And we should come together in judgment. Neither is there any daysman. You notice that word there, daysman? Betwixt us. That might lay his hand upon us both. Job at this time knew that he had a redeemer. But he said, right now, there's no man alive that I know of at least. A daysman would be one who could lay his hand upon God. Job. A go-between between the two. Job knew of no man. You see, Job understood this, that would take, in order to justify sinners, one who is both God and man, man, who is able to lay hold upon man, to, to go in man's place, and to justify him before a holy God. 
Job understood that God in some way would justify sinners. He knew that he had a Redeemer because he believed in that promise that was given in the Scriptures. Because he said, I know that my Redeemer liveth. But right now, he says, Neither is there any daysman betwixt us that might lay his hand upon us both. And But you see, this is what God has done for his people. Christ came into this world being very God, but very man. One who will lay his hand upon us and lay his hand upon God and join the two together. The scriptures teach that there is salvation in none other than Jesus Christ. How are sinners justified? By God's righteous servant, Jesus Christ, the daysman. In the fullness of time, he who was called the bright and the morning star came into this world. He who is altogether lovely, my dear friends, the sinless Son of God, Job's Redeemer came and reconciled his sheep to his Father. And if you are his sheep, you will have a knowledge of him. Because this is what he says, by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. The sinner says, I need him. There's no other way for me. There's no other hope. I could never cleanse myself. Though I wash myself with the purest of water, though I try to do anything, I cannot cleanse myself. I cannot atone for my sin. It must take God to bear away my iniquities in the person of the Son of God. I have no other hope but Jesus Christ. These are God's people, and they rejoice. He shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. Let me say this, everyone of God's people will hear the truth, and they will be justified freely by the grace that is in Jesus Christ. Let me say this, firstly, he bears their iniquities, and then he brings them. He brings them, first of all, he speaks here of being justified. Firstly, it's justified by the grace, Romans 3.24, that is in Jesus Christ, when he, he bears the iniquity of his people. And then in time, in time, in time, in time, they come by faith to believe upon him. And thus they are justified first by grace in all that Christ has done, and he gives them a faith to believe in him, and they lay hold upon him. And they have him as their hope. What is your hope? If it's not built on the Lord Jesus Christ, my friend, it's foolishness. How can anything that is clean come out of you to cleanse you and to wash you of your sin? It's impossible. 
Job a righteous man, but only righteous through God's dear Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. May God teach sinners here tonight the way of salvation. The way is through his dear Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who justifies sinners by his grace. Let us just close with some words there as we notice. Therefore will I divide him, verse 12 of Isaiah 53, a portion with the great. This is the Father speaking concerning the Son, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he has poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, that is, with sinners. Think of it, God the Son was prepared for a little while, not only to be made a little lower than the angels, and to come into this world, but to be amongst the transgressors and to be put to death with malefactors and to be called all sorts of things and to suffer the most painful and excruciating death, but above all, that he should be forsaken of the Father on account of his people's sin. And the Father will give him the greatest of all rewards as the Redeemer of those who could never, ever possibly justify themselves. Doesn't the truth make a mockery of all the foolish religions of this world? Man trying to justify himself. And you know, let me say this, there are some who attend churches that have their own religion. It's the religion of just attending. And I'll sit along and I'll go with the crowd. But you know, you don't really have a knowledge of Jesus Christ. Because if you had a knowledge of Jesus Christ, you'd repent of your sins. And you'd forsake all that you claim to have as good. As Paul said, what did he say? I consider all things but loss for the sake of the excellency of Jesus Christ my Lord. All of his religion was out of the window, as it were. All of his being a Jew, until he understood Jesus Christ. You've not understood God and salvation unless you have a knowledge of God's dear Son. To have a knowledge of him is to have a knowledge of your sin your unworthiness, and his all together, worthiness and loveliness. We can say, tonight in me dwelleth no good thing, but in Jesus Christ there is everything, is there not? Life, even everlasting life. I am vile, a vile sinner but I run and I flee to Christ for refuge this night. May that be the prayer and the desire of not a few. My friends, God is good. That's what the Bible is saying. God is good. He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen.